Welcome to Shepherd's Fold Ministries, and today we have a special episode podcast, and we have as our special guest, Gary R. Farmer. Gary is an author, a teacher, uh, someone who is uh, working on behalf of the kingdom, and is author of the book, The Aaron and Her Ministry, What Sheep Can Do for Their Shepherd. So, Gary, welcome to today's podcast, and thank you for being part of what we're doing at Shepherd's Fold Ministries. Well, thank you, Brent. I appreciate the opportunity. I ran across your book recently, and as I started reading, to be honest, right from the introduction, I just started underlining so much. I might need another copy because I I can hardly read because I've under <laughs> I've been underlining just about every word. Um, this book, I, and I want to recommend it to all of our listeners: the Aaron and Her Ministry: What Sheep Can Do for Their Shepherd. Uh, it's a it's a explanation among other things of Exodus 17, that great story where Moses helps lead the people of God against the Amalekites and raises his arms. Joshua is down in the valley doing the work, and Aaron and Hur hold up the arms of Moses in order for him to raise his arms. And as he as they as he raises his arms the people are winning. If he lowers his arms, the people lose. And what a, uh, what a great story. So uh, for our listeners, can you give us just a general, uh, an overview of the book? Um, and, uh, well, let's begin with this. Why did you write the book? And uh, I've loved it, every, every word of it, but I, I want others to hear about it. Why, what led you to write this book? Well, several years ago, I read a survey that was done by the George Barner Research Company and Focus on the Family, and they said that in their research, they had discovered that approximately 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month, which averages out to be about 18,000 pastors leaving the ministry every year, which is devastating. That's 18,000 churches that have lost their shepherd for whatever reasons. And also about 30 years ago, the Lord laid on my heart. I was doing my devotions one morning and and he spoke to my heart and said, I've called you to be a a friend to pastors. And since then, my closest friend have been pastors. I am not a pastor, I'm a teacher, but I have been on mission trips with them to Russia, to Hyderabad, India, to South America and Argentina and, and Buenos Aires and Salta and worked with pastors Some of my favorite things have been actually speaking at pastor's conferences and encouraging them and sharing um, the Word of God with them. Um, So I began to appreciate the burdens that they carry, the the responsibilities, and how easy it is for them to get burned out. Um, And I felt like the people in the church really weren't doing enough to support their pastors and encourage them. And that is the primary reasons why I wrote this book. Well, what a, you know, I, I have, I've heard that statistic too, and I've seen it verified, the, the Barner mm-hmm. research that you talked about. And, um, and it, it's true that the number of ministers dropping out every month is, is staggering. And I can mm-hmm. only imagine that in today's day and time, as the issues continue to multiply in front of ministers uh, that that they need someone to hold up their arms. Yes. So <clears throat> as God was working in your heart and doing this work 
and you wrote this book. To to whom did you write the book, or wh- who were your expected readers? Who were you hoping would pick up a copy of this great book? Well, this was not directed to pastors. Um, it is directed to the people of the church specifically, um, because every pastor that has read this book loved it, but they can't stand in front of their congregation and say, Gary wrote this great book and you really need to use it because that would seem very Mm self-serving because it gives in uh, different principles of how you can bless your pastor, what you can do to hold their arms up. Uh, The problem is that in most churches, the congregants feel that the relationship is one way. They go, they're ministered to by their spiritual leaders, their pastors, their shepherds, their ministers, their preachers, and then that's it. So it's a very one-sided relationship when I believe it's supposed to be two-sided. It's supposed to be a two-way highway for them that, that they're supposed to do things for their pastors as well and not just pay you know their, their salaries and things like that. Um, in the informal survey I have done across denominations, Catholic, Protestant, you know, Methodist, Baptist, all of them, only about 10% or less of the people actually pray for their pastor because they feel that it's their response, it's the pastor's responsibility to minister to them and not their responsibility to minister to the pastors. So I wanted to change that statistic. I wanted people to become more involved. And we have seen recently in the past two years, so many pastors experience moral failure or addiction problems or many of them are just burned out. They're overworked and underpaid and and you're on call 24-7 as a pastor. If mm-hmm. someone's sick, they'll call you. If, if someone is dying, if someone has a family crisis, you know, they sacrifice a lot to be in this. This is not a job. It's not a vocation. It is a calling. Right. My question was, why are 1,500 people a month, 1,500 pastors being uncalled? Well, they're not. They're just burned out. They're overstressed. Uh, the Schaefer Institute in Switzerland did research, and they said that basically many pastors leave a church because the congregants do not share the vision that the pastor believes the Lord has given to him or her to carry the church forward. And because there's that uh, antagonism, there's problems, and the pastor eventually just get discouraged and leave. And it's being a pastor and having a family is like living in a fishbowl. Um, people expect so much of the pastor and the pastor's wives and the children, and it's hard. It's, it's difficult. It's demanding, and it's, it's, it can be exhausting. And so if the congregates begin to appreciate and pray and encourage their pastors, I believe we can turn that statistic around, Amen. and more pastors will be in a position where they're less vulnerable. I think if if some of the congregants had actually prayed for their pastors, maybe they wouldn't have have been tempted to to fall off the edge or go into moral failure or do things that were were unethical. Um, don't, we can't say, but we know this: that when we pray, God hears, mm-hmm. and that's important. Yes, so inspiring. I, um, you know, <clears throat> let me just add to that my thought that it's not like Gary R. Farmer has an idea that we all need to listen to, although you have great insights. Here's, the, here's, here's part of my point. This is a biblical, you are calling us to a more biblical relationship. 
between the shepherd and the sheep. Um, not only do you unpack that in Exodus 17, but you unpack it in other uh, unpack it in other areas as well, and explanations, uh, not only in the Bible, but then you, you help bring the Bible to life and some of these great points, so that this is really God's, this is God's intention, that it's a two-way street uh, uh, in the ways that you're talking about. So with that in mind, what, what are some of the, can you give us just a quick overall overview of the of the book a uh, couple main themes and insights you've given us a couple but is there mm-hmm. anything you'd like to add about a, a theme or a, or some insights that are part of this great book yes uh several things actually uh number one the seven things that i have listed uh that the congregates can do for their their shepherds uh it's love them support them pray for them honor them encourage them protect them and bless them now in the book i go into great detail and of course some of these overlap you know if you love someone you're going to pray for them Um, one of the things that we don't see a lot in our culture is honor Um, i'm a a Mm -hmm. vietnam era veteran and some of my friends came back and i served as as a uh, medic and a physical therapy tech so i never shot anybody except with a needle (laughs) <laughs> but some of my friends came back and they had urine and feces thrown on them. They were disregarded, disrespected. Mm. Since 9-11, that has changed. Right. So we are learning in this culture the importance of honor. Right. Uh, it's still not where it should be, in my opinion. Right. But in the same way, the Bible says that if you have shepherds, if you have leaders that are doing well, you're to give them double honor. Right. And honor is not something we really think about in our culture. Um Blessing them, supporting them, supporting your, 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 your leaders doesn't just mean giving them a paycheck every week. It means to support them in prayer. So there's overlap there. Um, so those seven things are very important. And the way I remember that is, um, if you remember Leave it to Beaver, when Wally and Beaver would come home and have a bad day at school or something, you know, June would sit them down at the table and give them peanut butter and jelly. So PB Helps is... <laughs> My uh, <laughs> is my pneumatic device to remember um, prayer, bless, honor, encourage, love, protect, and support. So those those seven concepts are, are very important. And there are other ways. And I mentioned you know uh, to bless them, you know, uh, supply a meal for them, uh, you know, wash their car, take it to the shop, do something. Do something other than just putting your tithes in or giving your offerings or just attending. You know, become involved in a way that will encourage them, like Aaron and her, holding their arms up. And again, Aaron and her didn't say anything. They just stood there. They didn't Monday morning quarterback <laughs> Moses and say, well, maybe Josh should go over here. You know? <laughs> and the neat thing about Moses was he was not a micromanager. He trusted Joshua to do his job. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if we apply these truths and these principles, I think that will, that will change the whole atmosphere of the church. Just praying for your pastor. I've had two experiences. I was down at the VA. They take care of my medical needs and so forth in Houston. And I met this young man who was checking to see if I had glaucoma or vision problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he, he started talking about his church. And he said, I'm just really not getting anything out of the sermons and, and all this. And I said, well, do you pray for your pastor? And he said, no. 
And so I just happened to have a copy of my book and I, I autographed it and gave it to him. I said, please read this and start praying for your pastor. Well, I heard later that he had done that instead of leaving the church, he was now becoming more involved in the church. Mm -hmm. Um, a relative of mine was saying, you know, we're going to this church, but we really don't feel like the word of God is being preached. We don't have enough scripture in the sermons and, you know, he's just not happy with it. And I said, well, are you praying for the pastors? And he said, no. I said, well, start. Yes. And within weeks, they said that that pastor had resigned and one of the other staff members had come to become the lead pastor. And he said, you know, oh, this just, and I said, well, is it your attitude or is, is it just what's being done? So I think if we pray, if we encourage, if we bless and honor and do all those seven things, that what will happen is there will be change. Um, Anyway, speaking of change, Mm -hmm. in chapter 8, there is a big thing. I know that Christians struggle in different areas, and they really want to change. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, says, you know, that we're to have our mind renewed, but as often Paul does, he doesn't always tell us exactly how to do that. <laughs> well, starting in page 74 of the book, it talks about the, in, in Matthew 9, 17, Jesus is talking about the wine and the wineskins. Right. And you don't put new wine into, into old wineskins because it'll be ruined, but you put new wine into new wineskins. Well, what most people don't understand is that those two Greek words, the one for wine and wineskin, are different. They're translated as as new, but they're different. When he's using the word new wine, he's talking about naos. When he's using the the word for wineskin, it's kainos. Now, naos means brand new. It's the same word that's used in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says we're new creatures in Christ. We, We are born anew. We're born by the Spirit of God. We're being changed from the inside out. So we're new creatures, brand new, different than before. Mm-hmm. The wine skin, kainos, literally means something that was already in existence but has been changed, altered, adapted, redone in such a way where it looks new or it acts in a way that is new. And what the Jews used to do, because they were very good at conserving things and recycling, once a wine skin became dry and unusable, they would soak it for days in water, rehydrating it. And then once that had happened, they would take oil and rub it into the wineskin, making it flexible so that it could be used again for its intended purpose. And we have water, we have oil. Water, symbolic of the Word of God. Husbands, wash your wives with the water of the Word. And we have oil, which is representative of the Holy Spirit. And these two powers working together can change our mind, change our thinking, change the way that we do things because our thought processes are different. And so that's an important chapter, I think, um, to learn how to change, that God wants to change us and he gives us the ability to do that through the power of Scripture and through the power of the Holy Spirit working together corporately. Um, Another chapter I deal with the evil shepherds of Israel in chapter 34 of Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus would give us really good examples. In the Bible, there are great examples. We we read about men like Moses. We read about Abraham, and they're good examples. Yes, they have their flaws, their failures, things like that. But 
he also gives us good bad examples <laughs> right yeah uh -huh. so it's painting a more complete picture we see what's good and we see what's bad and we know it's the thou shalt and thou shalt not kind of a thing you right. get a more complete picture and in ezekiel 34 god is coming against the evil shepherds of israel saying what they have done and how evil how bad it is as shepherds and uh, i go into great detail about that but those are the indications. If people were wondering, well, is my pastor a good pastor or a bad pastor? Is my leader a good leader or bad? Look at that chapter right. and say, is this going on? Are they, are they abusing the sheep? Sadly, I have seen very few, but I have seen pastors who use their position as a bully pulpit and literally beat the sheep. That's not what they're called to do. In fact, the Hebrew word for shepherd is ra'ah is the same word that's translated as to feed hmm. so the primary responsibility is a, as a shepherd is not just to protect the flock it is to feed them because wow. if you don't feed them they're going to perish right and what do we what are pastors feeding this, us on the word of god so that we grow and then the holy spirit can quicken that word and change us not just in our thought life but change our desires change our appetites change who we used to be into who we are supposed to be um the other thing that I think is important in the book is something I added. I, I had finished writing the text of the book, and the Lord just laid it on my heart to put a, a special teaching in the back. You know, being a teacher, I'm, I'm kind of prone to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Yes. Because a lot of Christians think they're condemned. And Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. People don't understand the word conviction. They think if you're convicted, then you're going to jail. The word can also be accurately translated as convinced. And in the back of the book, it shows a parallel between what the source right. the, and all this. It's about conviction and condemnation. I shared that with one pastor. He said it was great. He preached a whole sermon on it. Oh, um, it's because, right there. You're exactly yeah, right. Because... Most Christians don't know. They can't differentiate. The Holy Spirit is not living within us to convict us or to condemn us. He is living within us to convict us. Right, right, right. So, and that's important. So, I think those things are kind of the key principles and the key issues. Um, and if you think, if, if someone is in a church and they think that, that their pastor's not go, doing a good job or when they go home from church on Sunday, they have fried pastor for lunch. Um, <laughs> they need to start praying for them right they need to start praying i have seen it's not just the attitude of the people being more receptive to what god is doing through their leadership it's the fact that god can change them because they're being prayed for and if we hold their arms up some of the burdens that they're bearing can be delegated to others um, one right. of the saddest things i ever saw was i was going to a church in ohio and one Saturday, I saw the pastor's car outside the church. It was a small church, maybe 30 people. Uh, just, it, it was just a church plant. They were getting started in this community. And I walked in, and I saw the pastor on his knees scrubbing the toilet. Mm -hmm. And that, that broke my heart because that is not what they're to do. They're not janitors. They're not to take out the garbage and mop the floors. They're to feed the sheep and protect them and represent God to them as as a priest mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. um the next sunday in church i asked the pastor if i could share something and i had a list and we signed up we signed up families to clean the church 
so that the pastor would have the time. It's like what happened in, in the book of Acts. You know, the apostles yes. dedicated themselves to the word of God in prayer, and those seven men that were chosen, they aren't called directly deacons in that scripture, but we're assuming they were. They didn't have any spiritual responsibilities at all. They had, they had to take care of the widows and the orphans and wait on the tables. Right. That is service. Right. The other thing that I wanted to mention really quickly is people misunderstand the word ministry. Yes. That it says in Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, it talks about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and there to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. The people in the church are to do the work of the ministry. Therefore, they are ministers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The people in the front, the leaders, they're shepherds. They lead, they guide, they feed, they protect it is the people in the church who are, to, who are to be equipped and prepared to do ministry because one person or a whole pastoral staff can't do everything that needs to be done for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. They can't. Mm -hmm. The people are supposed to be equipped to do that. And then every person has their own ministry, has their own calling from God. It may be, you know, I have a, a friend who... <laughs> He works at Home Depot. God literally called him out from one job doing something that, that he was very good at and trained at, and now he's working at Home Depot. And since he's been working there, 12 people have come to the Lord. This man <laughs> has a gift of evangelism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was equipped to do that through the leadership of his church. And that's yes. the way it's supposed to be. So we all have ministries. Your ministry is here. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mine, mine is teaching, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and yours is encouraging and blessing and preparing. So mm -hmm. those things, those, those are the things that I feel are most important about this book and to get that message across again, because pastors can't stand up there and say, Hey, read this book. It's really great. Bless I know. me. I know. It has to be more of a grassroots movement. It has to work within the congregation. <laughs> I had one person who bought a book, loved it, and then bought five more copies and gave it to their pastors. And I'm going, well, that's good, but it's the people who need the book. Yeah, right. <laughs> it blesses right. the pastors, right. but it, it doesn't serve the purpose. I'm not saying that the pastors shouldn't read it, but they need to understand that this book is directed for the people to encourage them so that they can bless the pastors and minister to them. Amen. You know, uh, with that in mind, as I've been following along as you've been uh, talking, on page 102, you have a commitment statement. Yes. Uh, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, member of the body of Christ, I affirm my decision to become an Aaron or a her to my pastor. And then you list uh, a variety of ways in which, I, you know, a, a, a commitment. I will... Mm -hmm. I will uh, I will do these things in order to uh, or take on these attitudes in order to be an Aaron or a her. Mm -hmm. Let's take just a moment. The Bible says God does more than we can ever ask or imagine. Mm -hmm. So I I like to just imagine some. Mm -hmm. yeah. What what would happen? What what could you envision happening if mm -hmm. God got a hold of some of us in some fresh ways and we were able to apply these truths. What can you can you give us a dream, a vision of uh, what what God could do, knowing would, that He may do more? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. He is quite capable. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love to see at least two men in every church be an Aaron and her to their pastor. Just two. Just two. I think that would radically change 
the atmosphere. I think it would radically change the effectiveness. If, if people come in who are not believers into your church and they see that their pastor is being supported and blessed and encouraged and honored, it will give them a different vision of what the church is and how it's supposed to function. I hadn't thought about that. I, hang on just a minute because that, that's sure. a great thought. Um, it, it has an evangelistic potential. It does. It does. Wow, that's it. great. That's great. Okay, go on. I just. <laughs> well, the other thing is, I believe it would help the pastors in the sense that they would not be encumbered by the trivial and the non, uh, the inconsequential or the extraneous. Yeah. They would be free to do what God had called them to do, which is to shepherd, yeah. to shepherd the sheep. Uh, if they have to do everything, they're going to burn out. Mm-hmm. They're just going to burn out. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who was a missionary evangelist to India, and he said he preached over 700 times a year. And I, knowing as a teacher, sometimes that can be quite exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, how do you do that? And he said, well, you know, in John 7, where it says that, that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He said, well, you need some of those waters to survive yourself. If you give out everything you have, you're going to be depleted. Right. And I think we would see pastors who are less depleted and more filled and able to minister more effectively. The church's outreach would be more effective. I think it would change so much in the church today. And people would gain a greater appreciation for the, the labor and sacrifice that pastors make. It, it is so demanding. It's like being a doctor in some ways. You're on call all the time. You have to run at the drop of a hat. You're expected to do all this stuff. You're expected to pray for people and minister to them and, and give them you know great sermons every Sunday. And it can be quite exhausting. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know too that when you're doing God's will, whatever God has called you to do, that there is an energy that comes from that, that he energizes you through the Holy Spirit to do that but it can still be very depleting if you're giving everything out. Exactly. Um, I, I believe we would, if, if, if Aaron and her really took off and was a part of the churches, that it would change the way we treat our pastors, but it would also change the way we treat each other. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we would see how the body is supposed to work together. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're, we're a body. We're, you know, we have different parts, hands, feet, eyes, nose, whatever part we fulfill but if you're and and i had one guy just he he did not want to go to church and you know i told him you know do not forsake the assembly yourself together blah 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 Mm -hmm. and he said well i'm just a hand in the body of christ and i'll I'll do my thing whatever god called me to do and i'm going well you know again that's a problem with with our nation we we have a lack of accountability among certain things and Mm -hmm. yeah in the church we need accountability we need one to another uh but I said, if you're driving along and you see a human hand lying on the side of the road, is that natural? <laughs> he said, no, that's weird. And I said, exactly. <laughs> kind of scary, too. But, and that's the way some people see themselves in the church. They may just attend. They may go there for the services. But they're not really a part of it. They're not involved. And Aaron and her ministry in a church can encourage people not just to become involved in praying and blessing and so forth with the leadership, but to become a functioning part of the body and not the hand laying beside the road. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Right. Well, let's let's take the next step. What? Sure. Help 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 us know how can we get a copy of this book because uh, uh, <laughs> we want to put this in our hands. We want to read it. We want to be 
uh, an Aaron and a Her to the pastors that we have. Tell us how we can get a copy of this uh, book. I will be glad to. Uh, one other thing I'd like to add, although this was written and, and designed specifically for the men of the church to come and take their rightful place, that doesn't mean that women can't pray. Absolutely not. Uh, that means that I think too often in our culture, men have a tendency to sit back and let the women do things in the church. You know, how many Sunday school teachers are men? Um, how many? So I'm encouraging the men to get involved. You know, Aaron and her were guys, even though his name is her. Yeah. But, right. Yeah. H E R. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for women to get involved too, they can they can be Aaron's and hers. They can certainly hold up the hands of their pastors. Anyway, having said that. Um, if people want this book, they could just go and do a Google search on the Aaron and her ministry, what sheep can do for their shepherd, or they can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart, Goodreads, a book. There's a bunch of different people that have the book available. So it just depends on how much they want to pay and where they want to get it from. Well, how about I include a link uh, to at least the Amazon connection? That's how I ran oh. across it. And uh, th those of you who are listening, then if you uh, will take advantage of the opportunity to, to get a copy of that book, uh, allow it to soak into your mind. It's a great read. It's an easy read. It's a, it's a, you're a great teacher. So <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> it comes you. out in this book. And uh, so I want to encourage all of us to read it and to, to make the commitment to be an Aaron and a her, uh, and see that happen in our churches, and just to see to see God do some fresh things um, in his in his church, and as a result of that, his his kingdom will advance in our mm -hmm. hearts and as we reach out to others as well. So, hey, thank you, Gary. Thank you for this time today. Thank you for being part of the Shepherd's Fold podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I said, we'll include a link to where people can find this book. And we appreciate what you are doing and uh, hope that we continue to stay in touch as, as, uh, as God continues to lead you and as we see God work in his churches throughout the world. Amen. Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, Thank you. Thank you, too. <laughs>